Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Welcome to the EM360 podcast, where we have a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Matt Harris, content producer here at EM360 and your host on this podcast. Make sure you stay up to date with all of our latest episodes by subscribing to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you go for your podcast needs. In today's episode, I'm joined by Caitlin Condon, Vulnerability Research Manager at Rapid7, and we're going to be talking about why security teams are not quick enough to deal with modern cyber threats and how organizations can help support them. Caitlin, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. appreciate it. No worries, no worries. Um, so could you just tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do at Rapid7? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I am an engineering manager in Rapid7's vulnerability risk management practice. Essentially, I am I manage vulnerability research, exploit development, Metasploit framework development, zero-day research, sort of all of those um, hacker type of disciplines. Uh, we have some really fantastic offensive security and vulnerability research folks at Rapid7, and they are the basis of all of the analysis that goes into the vulnerability intelligence report that I'm going to be talking about today. Brilliant. Um, so you mentioned that obviously with the the kind of like zero day stuff, we're going to be talking about some cyber threat stuff. Uh, and just to jump straight into a recent study that said that over half of 2021's widespread threats began with a zero day exploit that was exploited by threat actors before the vendors made patches available. Now, with security teams patch procedures now being put under immense pressure, what can organizations do to help support their security teams? Yeah, well, first of all, um, you know, just to, to sort of level set in terms of findings, 2021 was a, a really rough year for security teams. We, we did see this huge increase in widespread opportunistic exploitation that meant a lot of businesses found themselves facing higher risk more often. Over the past couple of years, we've seen the security industry and the community make a, a concentrated effort to track and share vulnerabilities that we know are being exploited in the wild by adversaries. Rapid7, our research teams aren't just looking at whether a vulnerability is being used in the wild. We are also looking at whether that vuln is likely to be exploited at scale or already under attack by many different adversaries. Um, and so, you know, the, the framing of this entire report is that we did see this big uptick in widespread exploitation and also a lot of those attacks did begin with zero days, which is pretty unfortunate. In terms of what organizations can do to help support their security teams, you know, the, the first big thing is really to consider their security and IT teams business critical units. Um, we, we know that organizations of all sizes, all maturity levels, they have to be working with their security and IT teams to develop risk management plans that are integrated across leadership teams and functional areas. So thinking about, you know, let's use um, maybe log for shell as an example. I guess that's everyone's example, huh? Thinking about what we heard um, from customers during and after an incident like log for shell I think it's it's reasonable to say that there's a wide range of reactions and strategies to meet today's security landscape challenges. A lot depends on the maturity of the organization and the support and buy-in security teams are getting from key stakeholders and leadership chains. We know that security teams are not just detecting attacks and remediating risk. They are also increasingly being held accountable for communicating their prioritization, communicating their risk measurement and management strategies across the business. So, you know, it, we sort of understand collectively as an industry that cybersecurity is important, but the nature of security leaders' day-to-day -day jobs has changed in an elevated threat climate. 
And so, you know, really, we're just hearing a lot more than in the past that organizations need to partner with their security teams and with their their boardrooms, their business leaders to assess and address risk. Yeah. And of course, we know that threat actors are constantly updating their processes and techniques. Is patching still enough to protect organizations? It's still one of the most important steps organizations can take. Um, I think certainly layered defenses are as important now as they've ever been. Defense in depth has always sort of been the, the law of the land in terms of how you can protect against not only known risk, but the unknown risk, the, the new attack vectors that you maybe can't necessarily anticipate, um, the patch bypasses, the zero-day exploits. Lots of those those layers are, are kind of common sense, you know, in a way that um, I think is actually paradoxical to a lot of teams who are immersed in this, uh, you know, media headlines and um, high priority alerts and sort of just th- this constant culture of, of urgency and emergency, you know, it, you're hearing the same things like, yes, you need to have clearly defined patch cycles and limit internet exposure and put everything behind authentication, know where your critical exposed technologies lie, implement common sense measures like egress filtering, allow listing, blacklisting, use multi-factor authentication, so on and so forth. So, you know, we, we want organizations to be able to make evidence-based decisions about their security programs, which is why we are putting forth a lot of the, the statistics and, and the vulnerability intelligence report for this year that we did. Um, but at the same time, you know, a lot of the advice doesn't necessarily change hugely. It's, it's implement defense and depth measures, you know, look at where your critical risk is and how your business is affected. And at the end of the day, you know, you can accept risk. It just have to, it has to be articulated. And you kind of mentioned at the start as well that 2021 especially was like a really hard year for businesses. Um, now, obviously, with the pandemic came with the new eras of uh, remote working and uh, all of that kind of stuff. Now, has the re- the move to remote working created more weaknesses for attackers to exploit? Well, I, I think there's two parts to that. On the one hand, we are finding more weaknesses in general. You know, you see the, the CVE count, the common vulnerabilities and exposures count go up year over year, sometimes, you know, massively. In terms of the move to remote working, I, I'd say that the the biggest difference is that it created an even more obvious target-rich environment for attackers with focus on particular targets like, you know, remote access gateways. The general need for for security skills, for security personnel, for a security where tech workforce has compounded that. If you think about the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic, one of the big challenges there was that many businesses had to figure out whether it was hybrid or remote workforce planning very, very quickly in a matter of days, a matter of weeks. That doesn't even necessarily require vulnerabilities. The pressure on those IT teams alone to to quickly deploy and scale and configure technologies for remote access created lots of opportunities for exploitable misconfigurations, for human weakness. Um, I, I hope we've moved past some of those initial challenges, but anytime we have to very quickly change the way we're operating and increase our reliance on, you know, whether it's a specific set of technologies or uh, lots of technology, there are bound to be natural holes in the way we do it. That's just human nature. Attackers are great at exploiting those holes. So yes and no, any shift in the way we are operating as a a culture, as a workforce um, is going to create opportunities for attackers. And so again, you know, it's really just sort of about understanding 
understanding the way adversaries go after human weakness and natural weaknesses in any technology and being aware of, of where that uh, attacker att- attention is focusing. And um, you spoke a little bit about some of the, the most common targets for attackers. Um, what exactly are they looking at when it comes to an enterprise's network infrastructure in terms of you know, what they can target and what they feel like they can exploit? Well, if you look at the list of products that have come under widespread attack the past couple of years, I, I don't personally think there's like a ton of surprises. The list is a pretty solid reflection of the type of technologies that live in a lot of organizations' tech stacks, you know, uh, Windows bugs, Mac OS host-based phones, um, your occasional like uh, Linux privilege escalation. These make up the majority of the operating system flaws. Mail systems, web servers, virtualization infrastructure, application development and deployment systems. We've, we've seen a bunch of those the past few years, which makes sense when you consider the, the proliferation of applications and application attack surface area. You know, these are all super common targets with huge enterprise user bases. We talk a little bit in the report about widespread attacks that leveraged, you know, Microsoft Exchange obviously was a, a huge one in, in 2021, also in 2020, but more so in 2021. Uh, like Apache web servers, various VMware products, um, WebLogic server typically makes that list too. There are always a few well-known applications that are used for productivity and enterprise resource management. So you'll see like your SAP and Atlassian applications, your Microsoft Office tooling. And then the, the, the piece that we tend to pay more attention to, and I think actually plays into your question on remote working, is there is this giant swath of IT management and network edge products that make for just super compelling attack targets on a regular basis. Those are a huge bucket of commonly targeted applications and technologies, and they they tend to be overrepresented in our widespread threat category because anything that offers an attacker the ability to gain internal network access from the outside is going to be super valuable as a target. The same thing goes for IT management or, or network infrastructure setups that let adversaries compromise downstream systems with like a single attack. So... I don't think there are necessarily a ton of big surprises in there. And how can businesses better understand and remediate these high priority threats? Yeah, great question. Well, I guess let's use know thyself or perhaps more accurately know thy network um, as the first step to enlightenment here. Again, I know it's sort of paradoxically boring and basic guidance, but context is really key when seeking to understand which threats are high priorities to you specifically. Organizations have to know what they have in their environments. They have to know where it lives. They have to know how exposed and you know business critical it is. Good asset and inventory management practices are absolutely vital. So, so underrated so under-practiced in so many cases. We see a lot of examples of, of those core capabilities missing, and you cannot realistically respond in an emergency where Log4Shell is maybe a, a bad example there because everybody was scrambling to figure out where the heck uh, Log4J lived in their environments. But you know, take any other zero-day against a, a common technology last year, you can't necessarily respond well when you're just scrambling to figure out, you know, do I use this at all? Where does it live in my environment? How many of my assets are, are deployed and exposed having it? Those practices are just incredibly important. Similarly, some of our guidance this year was 
because of the high incidence of, of zero-day exploits, and a lot of those zero-day attacks were really widespread, which is super, super unusual. We have not seen that in the past. Because of that, we were saying to organizations, you know, if you did not have emergency patching procedures in place, if you didn't have emergency incident response procedures in place, you were at a big disadvantage, um, not only during the onset of the attack, but in the aftermath when, you know, realistically, a lot of organizations needed to be doing threat hunting in their environment and monitoring clearly for anomalies. But it's tough to do that if you don't have strong foundational vulnerability management programs in place. You know, again, I know it's boring, but get the basics in place, have them practiced. And then, you know, on top of that, develop those emergency response protocols, whether it's patching, whether it's IR, get business buy-in, you know, know what is most important to you as a business and ensure that um, when you are having those conversations about, you know, what's important and what we're going to do in an emergency, again, it's okay to accept risk as long as it is articulated. And to, to sort of ask you to bring out your crystal ball for a sec, I'm really curious as to sort of where this is all going. Do you think in the next sort of 10 to 15 years, companies will become more aware and, and more sort of reactive towards these kind of things? Um, oh, I'm terrible with crystal balls, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so bad. Y- yeah, certainly I think they will be more aware. I, I think... We are seeing that already. You know, one of the, the questions that I and my team got most frequently when the, the report first came out was like, oh my goodness, why are there so many zero days? Why is this happening? And it's like, well, okay, there's there's been, you know, a bunch written on that. And certainly it's a valid question. But one of the answers is because we're detecting them, <laughs> because we know how to go and look for them, because we, you know, we know how attackers are operating. So um, I, I think that is going to naturally continue to evolve. Um, My hope is that, first of all, we will continue evolving to be less reactive and more proactive, more context aware, but also that technology and security awareness in general are going to make it easier on people to make security easy. That was sort of a a poorly worded sentence, but, you know, (laughs) security doesn't work if it's always really burdensome and onerous. We are living in an age of we want to press a button and just get something to work. And so I I think there definitely are opportunities for all sorts of technologies, as well as the security industry, to, to make things super easy for users. And that's both technologically and from a human point of view. So... My hope is that 10 to 15 years from now, like, yeah, we're still going to be writing about super crazy attacks, but we're going to be seeing um, fewer of these widespread attacks that are are compromising, you know, every business out there and, and every vertical and of every size and maturity. Detection is good, but we have to be able to evolve the way we respond to those attacks as well. I love that. I love that. Very well said. Very well said. Here's hoping. <laughs> yeah, here's hoping. I, I, I like the optimism. Well, thanks so much for taking the time today, Caitlin. It was really, really great to get your insight into the whole kind of, you know, zero day kind of world and what we what we can expect to see in the future. Thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. No problem at all. And um, also, thank you to everyone for listening. We hope you took a lot away from today's discussion. But for further information on what we've discussed today, head on over to rapid7.com. We'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series. But until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms. Follow the conversation on our socials at EM360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content, head on over to EM360Tech.com. Mm-hmm.